Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Joy T. Williams' Journey of Joy podcast. I'm so excited that you are here listening with me today. Today's episode is going to be really cool. So you actually caught the perfect one. Now, I am a listener-supported radio, so make sure you leave your change and also your comment on Spotify, where I have a poll and a question for other people to continue the conversation along with us. So join in, read, kick your feet up, and make sure that you have a nice, warm cup of love with you. Ciao. think I'm still, tr- I'm just sharing with you what I have tried to sort out in my own mind and what comes up and what emerges. So take that and continue to wrestle with the Lord with whatever it is that I say or that you hear that either resonates or doesn't resonate. Take it all back to God. One, are you hearing from God? You need to settle that once and for all, because once you get in a marriage, or any other time in your life, or any other event, if that is still a question that you are wrestling with, that will always hold you up from being present and being fully within the path that God has you for and focusing on the next step instead of focusing on the doubt. There are so many examples in the Bible where that one question had to be answered in order for the person to move on to the next level. Like we can start with Abraham. In fact, we can start with Adam. (laughs) Like Adam knew he heard from God and yet he did something different. And then out of the garden of Eden, that was still never a question. Am I hearing from God? Like we never, we don't hear that as a question until we get further down Abraham's line of like, we can probably take Noah. Noah built the ark and I don't remember, maybe I need to go back and read the scripture just to verify, but I don't remember Noah ever saying, God, is this really you? I know other people laughed at him and other people questioned him, but he had already settled in his heart that God had told him this is what he was to do. In spite spite of the drought, in spite of the lack of rain, in spite of being made fun of, and in spite of it taking years to complete. So I'm wondering if taking time out before you introduce someone else into an intimate space of yours to settle the question of do you hear do you hear from god and how do you hear from god and how are you affirmed that it's god's voice that's speaking to you that's the first thing that i would love to hear you say that you want to pursue more of It's to settle that question. The second question that I'm hearing from you is what happens when what is around you is very different from your version of what it's supposed to be like. 
and I say your version, but I'm also saying what the church teaches because we talked a little bit about marriage. We talked about like the church doesn't even, and when I say the church, I'm saying myself, when I talk to people about their spouse, even when I'm talking to you, I don't think I've ever mentioned to you, make sure you start praying for the sins and the weaknesses of your spouse. I don't think I've ever said that to you in, before this conversation. Because I don't think as a church and the teachings that I've gone to about marriage and like choosing a relationship and all these kind of things, we talk about, you know, you want someone who's godly, you want, you know, the right person for you. And we never consider that the person that we're going to marry will have weaknesses. Like we assume that those weaknesses are going to be like small things like, oh, you may eat too much or, oh, you may have diabetes or, oh, you may like not pick up your socks all the time or like wash your clothes or bathe. Like we never think about those things being like, oh, you're a liar. Oh, you're a manipulator. Oh, you're addicted to pornography. Like we just assume that the spouse that we're going to be with are absent of some of these large sins that can disrupt an individual much more can disrupt a marriage. And the church doesn't really talk about what do you do when you are in a relationship, in a committed marriage relationship with a liar. I mean, the assumption is like, oh, you didn't know beforehand. But I think in many of the marriages to where the character of the person is like in its full glory. And I say that in a, in the most positive way that I can, but it, it really probably is hell being in a marriage with a liar, manipulator, an adulterer, like, but I would say that probably those signs were seen earlier on. And it wasn't just like you woke up one day and this person just like was like, hey, look, I don't know what happened. I just suddenly became a liar. Um, I doubt that's how those things happen. Um, and we we try, and when I say we, I'm meaning the church and all these marriage counselors in marriage seminars, you know, try to say like, you want to look for someone who you trust and all these other things like a long list of things. And, um, but in the end, what wins is, do you feel like you're gonna be in a successful relationship with this person? I think, I don't know, maybe people go into a marriage knowing they're gonna get divorced at some point. I don't know. Um, I can't speak to all of that. But that could be the second thing that I'm hearing within our conversation is your expectation of marriage in your marriage partner. And I'm not saying that you should not expect them to be godly in all the ways that we expect for a spouse to be godly in a Christian relationship. Like I expect for my husband to be loving, to be caring, to be kind, to be gentle to be faithful, to be supportive, um, to be intelligent. Like there's a, there's a good list of expectations that I do have. And I, I want 
you to keep those expectations, whatever those godly expectations are that you have come up with. But instead of leaving it with your expectations and your spouse, take it to God about the spouse that you're saying God has for you and pray that he aligns with that list. And that if he doesn't align, that his heart will be convicted and that you will be committed to be praying for him and that God will do the deliverance that's needed. And that if there is something on that list that will break the marriage, that you will make sure that you have that conversation with God to prepare me, God, that if I go into this marriage, knowing that there's something on this list, if broken, it will break the marriage. And this ends up different than what I'm walking in here with because I'm walking to death to us part. And if that is not what ends up happening, then God, I need your redemptive power to either do one of two things or more, but there's only two things that I can think about. One, change my heart and change so that I am not entering this marriage for it to only end because that's not what I want. And I don't believe that's your will for me or two, make it so that I can handle whatever battles or whatever comes my way so that if this marriage ends differently, I will be able to move on or to do something different. And that's hard to say because there are so many marriages that I have listened to and and been privy to be a part of their intimate conversations with in which they have said divorce is not a part of our vocabulary. Like we're not going to entertain divorce. And in some of those marriages, they have actually ended up getting a divorce. Um, I'm not saying that. I don't know what I'm saying by, by saying that, but I guess this is not an easy thing for me to so I, i'm not saying it lightly because i have always been taught don't talk about divorce in a marriage because then you make it an option and then like it's an easy way out i'm not saying that i think what i'm really saying is going to god with all the realities of what it means to be human and fallen and to have that hurt and pain and to really take it to the Lord to say, God, I don't want to have a divorce. I don't want to have a husband that um, I'm in constant pain about. Like, God, this is what I want. I want a faithful marriage. I want a happy marriage. I want a marriage that's rooted and grounded in your love and that together we're healing each other and healing the world and the community that is immediately around us and within our reach and in our network, and that we are partners in this life together, fighting for each other spiritually for our deliverances and fighting for each other in this world to make sure that we keep you first in our marriage bed, in our marriage, and in our individual lives. God, I am praying for my spouse, and my spouse is praying for me. I am fasting for my spouse and my spouse is fasting for me. And what we have committed to do is to individually commit our lives and our hearts and our minds 
all that we are and all that we have to you, Lord, and that we dedicate everything else and all of us to each other. And we will be committed to that growth. And when that doesn't happen or when that stops happening, because at some point it will, what is the strategy that keeps us connected? What are those people? Who are those people that will be praying for us, rooting for us, challenging us to stay? What is our community? What is our environment that will help foster those original intentions? A marriage is much like an organization. And if you don't have those other factors coming in to support you, to teach you, to train you, then I don't know that you can have the realistic expectation of to death do us part without being extremely disconnected in the process. Like I know that people have said marriage takes work. And as an executive director of a nonprofit in which it is an exorbitant amount of energy to make sure that the board is on the same page, the staff, the volunteers, that we're meeting the community's needs and that the board has very clear direction that we're connecting. Like that engagement on the board level and what's needed, like we take board retreats, we have board meetings, we have outside people coming in, helping us to implement our vision and our plan. And I think a marriage is much like that. <laughs> I think a marriage is much like a small grassroots nonprofit organization that needs lots of attention and not lots of energy to help support it. And if you leave an organization just to its staff, just like if you leave a marriage just to the two people in it, there's only so far they can go before the capacity has maxed out. And you need that extra structure. You need the, the ritual of, you know, every year, babe, we're going to go and we're going to dedicate our vows for a whole weekend and we're going to get reconnected and we're going to get, we're going to, re-strategize about, you know, what has gone well, what hasn't gone well, and what we need to work on. That needs to happen in a marriage as much as it has to happen within an organization that wants to be successful and effective. I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast today. I am so grateful that you stayed with me the whole time or even part of the time, several times if you needed to. Listen, this is a listener supported radio or podcast. So make sure you leave some change and some joy. Ciao.